Welcome to the Real Time Roots Podcast. I'm your host, Christy L, and this is my co-host. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah. At Joyfully, we help you grow your own food and remedies so that you can make health and wellness for your family naturally. Today is New Year's Day, and this is also our first episode for Season 4 of the Real Time Roots Podcast. Today, we're talking about beginnings. Since this is the new year and it's a new beginning, we're starting a brand new season. And in this fourth season, we're going to focus on roots. So during the lockdowns, when people were forced to stay home, an interesting trend happened, Sarah. There was a flurry of home improvement projects. In fact, there were so many people wanting to make changes in their home that the stores ran out of lumber. They also ran out of uh, kids' swing sets, patio furniture. In fact, 70% of Americans actually completed a home improvement project during the pandemic. Impressive, considering that some home improvement projects can take years to actually finish. I think because people actually were home and, and they had, had time. time. So in that respect, the lockdown was a good thing because it let people stay home and actually f- complete projects that they'd started. We did. We completed a home improvement project. We just, uh, just before the lockdowns, we had bought a new bathroom sink and counter and taps, and we put them in during the lockdown. Did you do any home improvement? We were renting. So you actually moved in the middle of the pandemic. Technically, we moved right before the pandemic and in the middle of it. Twice. You moved twice during the pandemic. Pretty much. That wasn't fun. The pandemic also created 18.3 million new gardeners in the United States. And 55% of people increased the number of home-cooked meals that they were making. And 58% of people said that their cooking skills improved during the pandemic. Now, what connects all these kind of diverse statistics together? They all center on the home. During the pandemic, the home became the heart of family activity. In today's episode, we want to talk about home and the heart of the home. I do wonder how many people's cooking skills improved because they started ordering the meal prep kits. That was part of it, actually. Because they would get instructions and everything so they didn't have to worry about going out to the stores. And a lot of people said that like that helped them learn how to cook from scratch, but that they were going to continue that even at, after the pandemic. So I thought that was a really positive um, and healthy thing. That would explain why I get advertisements for home meal delivery with having to cook it about once every three months in my mailbox. Oh, that's good because that that was a new business that really bloomed. In fact, um, my daughter-in-law, Kathy, um, she got some of those started too during, I think, just before the pandemic. And she told me that she had had some deliveries. Those are nice because they, they give you the vegetables, they give you the meat, they give you instructions on how to prep it. And the prep time is considerably cut down. Yeah, because most of the stuff is semi-pre prepped. And there's no waste. That too, but they are expensive. Yes. And per they're not dish. in and they're not in everybody's budget. It's much better if you can if you have the skills, if you can do that kind of prep yourself at home. You'll save money. So, what are the roots of home? Well, what is home? Well, some would say that home isn't a place but a feeling. So it doesn't matter where you live, as long as you feel that it's a home. 
but Webster's Dictionary actually defines home as someone's habitation, their dwelling place, a sacred retreat, or maybe even the place you were born. So everything about home has to do with sort of the place that it's happening. So in that case, it would be the exact opposite of it's a place, not a feeling. Yeah, but then most people would have to classify their home as a hospital because that's where most people are born. Boo. So maybe the truth is somewhere between the two. Maybe home is a place, but it's also a feeling. Or maybe it's a feeling about a place. Could be. Let's explore this a little bit more. So I know your husband says to me all the time that he's a Florida boy. Yeah, that's because he's wearing six sweaters when it's only zero degrees out. It's because he was born in Florida and he grew up in Florida. So he's still, even though he's living in Canada in British Columbia, he still considers Florida somewhat of his home because he still identifies as a Florida boy. Or just as the explanation for why he needs to wear so many wool sweaters. Um, my husband, Mr. DL, would say that he's Scottish, even though he was born in Canada and his mum was born in Canada. His dad was born in Scotland, and so he feels that he's Scottish. But you also have the little detail that, like, the census doesn't let you say you're Canadian unless you're native. Even then they don't. You can't Precisely. Canadi- you can't actually say you're just Canadian. In Canada, you cannot be a Canadian on the census. Which is really, really, really annoying. Well, it's weird. It's weird. So home might be land. It might be the earth. It might be a place. It might be a country or a county. Where do you feel at home? Where do you feel you are from or you belong? That reminds me of a scene from one of the Marvel movies. I think it was one of the Guardian of the Galaxy ones. Okay, tell me. Where one of the characters says, I'm not from... America. I'm from Missouri. Interesting. Or maybe it was, I'm not from Earth, I'm from Missouri. I don't remember which one. But they were in space and they didn't identify with Earth. They identified with an actual state. So as we're talking about home, think about where you feel at home. Sarah, where do you feel at home? Um, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. But you live in Canada. You only spent two years in Jerusalem. And I still miss it. You miss it. So if someone says, where are you from? Would you say Jerusalem? No. You would say, I'm just not home yet. Well, where you're from isn't where you are you at home. Ah, I see. So let's explore that a bit. Some people say that home is where you put your pillow tonight. So someone who is doing nomading, nomad, nomading, what is the word? You know, where nomadic they... Nomadic lifestyle? Yeah, the nomadic lifestyle. The nomadic lifestyle, it is literally where they park tonight is home. But they have a vehicle that they live in. So therefore the vehicle is home, it just happens to move. Right. So in that respect, the vehicle is home, but but the place changes every night. But can people actually maintain that lifestyle over a long period of time? Some people do, like the Bedouins. True, but they are attached to the land. They don't go worldwide. No, but they do wander for several thousand miles and in through very many different countries. I think there's at least six of the Arabic countries that acknowledge the Bedouins' right to just roam. Oh, really? And they don't have to have passports for those countries. I didn't know that. 
Some other people say that home is where your loved ones are. So home is a is the people, not a place at all. I, th- I think that would be in respect to people who are nomadic, either because they're in the military or because they travel a lot. Um, their sense of home has to do with where their spouse is or where their kids are, or where their parents are. What do you think? Maybe each person has a different definition. I wonder if people even think about where home is. They might only think about where they get the feeling of home. Now, some people will say that home is in your heart. It's not a place. It's not anything around you. It's being at home in your own skin. And wherever you are, you can make that place into a home. So in that case, home is a feeling of connection, a feeling of belonging, a feeling of these are my people, not necessarily the place or the vehicle or the house. Or the objects or specific surroundings. It's about the feeling of safety. Ah, so safety is an important aspect of home. Well, you won't feel at home if you don't feel safe. So what happens when people don't feel connected at home or safe? Well, they would probably feel alienated, not able to rest. They would probably not be able to fully activate the parasympathetic nervous system. They wouldn't be able to rest. They wouldn't be able to recharge their adrenals. And they probably end up with health problems related to stress. I was just going to say, it sounds like they're getting sick. So mental health issues and also physical health issues, because if you can't digest your food properly, that can lead to a cascade of illness and probably not eating right. So let's go to the other thing, because we want to focus on what makes us well. So what happens when people do feel connected, do feel at home? Well, there's a sense of ownership, responsibility, you're participating or contributing if it's your home. And of course, there's also the stewardship. You want to take care of your surroundings because it is your home. So I often see um, as we're driving people with their bicycles on the highway picking up trash. And they're not just collecting bottles to cash in. They're actually picking up trash too. And that's someone that feels at home in the area and it has taken responsibility for maybe a small section of the highway. And that's always a good thing. Like the world is a better place because that person is there picking up the trash. What variables change your feeling of home or being at home? I think what you mentioned about safety is really important because there was a lot of things during the lockdowns since we started talking about the pandemic during the lockdowns where there were people who were locked down at home, but they weren't in a safe situation. Um, there was either abuse or alcoholism or violence in the home. And because they were locked down, they couldn't get away, couldn't escape. And for them, home was a dangerous place. And I'm sure they didn't feel at home when they were home. So what can make home a better place? I think it's really important if a person who's listening is in a situation where home isn't safe, that you need to make some changes. You need to get into a safe place, not stay in a situation that's dangerous. Definitely. If you are in a safe place and you just feel uncomfortable, what could a person do in that situation where they're just uncomfortable where they are and there's something that is off, you know, it just doesn't feel right? What can, is there something we can do to make home better if it just doesn't feel right? Well, A lot of January is focused on changing stuff about your surroundings. Maybe sometimes it's about changing your self, your own skin. And 
for some people, making changes to feel more at home is a very beneficial part of this time of year. That could be things like changing who's responsible for cleaning up the kitchen to make sure the kitchen actually stays clean and you feel comfortable and at home in your kitchen instead of getting frustrated every time you go into the kitchen to make dinner it's a mess. Or it could just be making charts about what days and times things need to be done so that you're comfortable in your room because the laundry is actually being taken care of. So what you're saying is better organizational. Well, if you feel at home in a mess, you don't need to change it. If it makes you uncomfortable, now is a great time to make changes. Get organized. The goal is not to stress about making things perfect or worthy of being on the cover of Better Homes and Gardens. It's about making yourself happy in your own space. But I think what I hear you saying is that if you are comfortable, don't feel that just because it's New Year's you have to change something. Yep. If you're trying to change stuff just to make it look like, oh, the person you follow on Pinterest who always seems to have a perfect life, then trying to change things about your surroundings or yourself might lead to feelings of inadequacy and to disruption of procedures and habits that are actually already in place and that work for you. I think that's really important because we f- we get what we focus on. So if we're constantly focusing on on where we're not perfect, where our house isn't perfect, or where our family isn't perfect, we're going to get more of that imperfection. But if we focus on what's good, what's right, what feels right, we'll get more of that. And so it's really important, especially at this time of year, to to think about what we want, not what we don't want, if that makes sense. Yep. And remember, new year, new me doesn't always fit with feelings of belonging, comfort, or feeling at home. A lot of people start really hard in January trying to exercise, work out, eat right, and they change 550 different things about their house and themselves all at once. And the second week of January, they're back to eating Twizzlers on the couch, watching Netflix, because that's actually where they feel happy and at home. So are you trying to say that we shouldn't start exercising in January or change what we eat? We should. We can if we feel that that would make us healthier, happier, or more at home in our own bodies. But the change we make might just be going for a 10-minute walk while the sun's still up and just doing that every day. As opposed to trying to go to the gym three times a week for an hour and burning out. Small changes work. I think it's also important to just pick one thing. Yep. Not pick a thousand things. Or pick three. Maybe you want to mark down something in your journal each day that you're grateful for. You want to drink one more cup of water per day than you have been. And you want to take a 10 minute walk. All those things are really small and you'll spend more time chewing yourself out about not doing them than if you actually just did them. Usually that helps get around the inertia of comfort zone. So what you're saying is little steps not too many, and only if you want to. And think they'll make you feel happier. Like focusing on gratitude because what you focus on is what you notice, and what you notice is what surrounds you. Or what you get more of. So we don't necessarily want to change things. One of the things I don't like about New Year's is, um, as you mentioned, people make resolutions and most resolutions are, are gone by the end of January. 
people don't stick with them. What you mentioned, though, in your checklist wasn't actually a resolution, but a habit, forming a new habit, drinking more water, going for a walk. Those are forming new habits and habits do stick. The key to make the habit stick, though, is to not take on too much. Well, resolutions are often nonspecific. I want to get healthier this year. I want to be more grateful this year. They're often nonspecific, massive things, and you don't have any quantifiable way to tell if you've actually met that goal or not. A lot of New Year's resolutions do not follow this SMART goal format. They're not quantifiable. They're not measurable. They're not specific enough. So a SMART goal is specific, measurable, attainable, repeatable, and timeable. Timely. Timely. Okay. Timeable. <laughs> new word. <laughs> That's a new word. So bringing it back to home and feelings of belonging and feelings of comfort, how do those habits fit in to making you more at home? Is it making you more at home in yourself? It can be making you more at home with yourself or with your surroundings. Home doesn't necessarily mean blood-related family members. It can be being comfortable and choosing friends that you're comfortable and that will lift you up. It can mean completely changing the people you surround yourself with. If your friends are into, say, drinking or something else, then and you want to move away from drinking, then changing the friends you have might be the way to make yourself more at home with not drinking. So pick people who are already doing what you want to do. Or at the very least, won't pressure you to do something that you don't want to be doing anymore. So people who make you feel at home with them are your people, your tribe. Definitely. And so one of the key things to being successful, feeling at home, is to find your tribe. And I recommend that you find your tribe in person, not online, because the people in your community are going to be there for you when online isn't. There's a lot of people who are just forming friendships online and they're dropping their local friends. And that doesn't last. Screen addictions. That really doesn't last. So I highly recommend that you, if you don't have any local friends, that you make that part of your um, sense of home and sense of belonging. Because there are a lot of local people. You have a story, Sarah, where you actually went looking for a walking partner and made two new friends. Yep. I have one walking partner who is also a writer. So we end up hanging out at writers groups. And I have two other walking partners who actually work at my favorite cafe. And I end up hanging out with them about once a week for a quick walk. Well, quick bye time, not necessarily by distance. And they're perfectly happy because they also get to hang out with my dog then. So one way to find your tribe then is to get a dog. Is that what you're saying? Only if you're fully prepared for all of the work involved in taking care of another living creature with four paws, a tail, fluffy fur, and who really, 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 really wants cuddles at all hours. Actually, let's go there. I have heard people say that a home isn't a home without a cat. I've heard people say that having a cat changes coming home to an empty house to coming home. So do you agree that every home needs a cat? No, you might not like cats, so you might be allergic to cats. But having another living thing that relies on you, 
even if that's a bunch of plants, as long as they make you feel at home and feel happy about the space you're coming into, can work. I won't always recommend a living creature, though, because some people just don't have the time or ability or inclination or allergies to actually take care of a cat or a rabbit or a dog. So plants are always a good option. Now, making changes in your living situation, just for the sake of making changes, may not increase your feeling of being at home. If you decide to get rid of all of your entire collection of Squishmallows, please do. Get rid of them. (laughs) Quick. Just because they're taking up space and you feel they're too kid-like or something, but they actually give you joy, then maybe making change just for change's sake isn't the best idea. You want to keep things that give you joy. So along that same line, ask yourself, what do you love about your home right now? Is there something that gives you joy or that makes you happy looking at it? Don't feel compelled to change it just because you should or because somebody told you, oh, your house is cluttered or um, your friend is a minimalist and says you've got so much stuff when she walks in the house. After all, why do you have all of those Beanie Babies? The Beanie Baby craze was over years ago. But if it gives you joy, no one else should tell you what makes your home your home. So keep what you love the most, whatever gives you joy. And don't let other people make you feel uncomfortable in your own home if what you have makes you happy. Now, if something does make you uncomfortable in your home, feel free to change it. And, and when you're looking at things you do want to change, ask yourself, what can I do to make my house safer? If, uh, if you're somebody who has falls sometimes, like I do, I'm at that stage where I sometimes lose my balance, fall down the stairs, trip over rugs. Uh, for me, it's not a good idea to have throw rugs in the house because I tend to trip. So I've actually moved the throw rugs away. So does that mean the next home improvement project will be a secondary banister on the stairwell? No, the next home improvement project will be to redo the floors so they're less slippery when they get wet. Because uh, you have two big, loving, lovable fur balls. I have lovable fur balls, and sometimes I get slobber marks on the floor. Or they track in snow and ice. They are going to be tracking in a lot of snowballs this winter. And it's going to be, it's, I have tile, it's very slippery when it's wet, so I'm going to change that. That's my next home improvement. Um, And making your house more comfortable and happier, that might be because you've got a cold area in your home if you don't have central heating. I don't have central heating. We heat with wood. And there are areas of my house that are very cold in winter because the heat doesn't get to them. So making making it warmer and more comfortable. Fluffy blankets on the couch. Fluffy blankets on the couch. Also... Big fluffy pillows. We've added some... I don't know what the name of, but they're fans that you can put on the wood stove. But anyway, they work to blow air around. So we we did that um, just about a week ago. We bought three of them for the house. Nice. That'll help the upstairs not get too hot, at least around the stove itself. And hopefully get some of those cold areas in the corners with more warmth. So whatever it is that you need to do to make your home safer and more comfortable and happier, plan to do those things. And do them first so that your home can feel more like a home. It's better to do it sooner than later. I also want to talk about uh, some people might be feeling completely uncomfortable where they're living, maybe because of the political situation. And 
it's actually better to make those moves sooner rather than later. If you are feeling like you want to get out of the city, move to the country, or if you're feeling like you want to get away from Ontario and move to BC, BC is beautiful, by the way. Or if you want to go to Alberta because Alberta's shifting politically or any kind of those political moves, the sooner you do it, the better because you're uprooting yourself and you're going to have to set down new roots. And so and make new friends. And make new friends, which can be difficult. So, so the sooner you can get those started, the sooner you're going to see fruit from your actions. And that is one time where making online friends can help with the transition. Because if you make friends online in the place you're planning on moving to, then you already have people you can start meeting with in person to help find your tribe. And, and the other thing that can happen is we might be waiting for the right time to make the change that we want to make. And for some things, there never is a right time. You just have to do it. And, and it will become the right time. Uh, for instance, when we moved from the city out here to the country, there really isn't wasn't a right time. We just had to kind of cut the cord and move. And so if you're if you're waiting for the right time to happen, it just might not, you might just have to make the right time. If you are ready to start on your herbal journey to get to know herbs and make your own medicine, I've got the perfect next step for you. My membership, the DIY Herb of the Month Club, will help you get to know your herbal allies by studying one herb at a time. And we make a game of it. You will go on a 30-day journey with an assignment to do every day that will only take you 10 or 15 minutes. You'll go on a monthly quest to build your confidence so that you can learn to rely on your herbal allies. You'll invest just five to 15 minutes a day of hands-on guided exercises to gain knowledge of each month's herbal ally. You'll also learn how to grow, forage, or find each month's herb. You'll study the historical context of the medicinal and or culinary uses of each herb. You'll create a personal Materia Medica for long-term reference. You'll also study the modern scientific studies and evaluate their methodology and conclusions. And you'll engage your senses both logically and intuitively to get to know each herb really, really well so that you can use it confidently. So stir up some recipes with me and start using your new herbal allies for focused hands-on learning inside the DIY Herb of the Month Club. So I hope you'll decide to join me. The link is in the show notes. So let's talk about ways you can feel more at home in this coming year. Because after all, it's New Year's. Well, I think one of the, the first things is decorating. A lot of people are stuck in the decluttering mode at uh, New Year's and they never get to the decorating mode. So you can always work on decorating your living space with personal items or plants. Things like photos, heirlooms. Avoid mass-produced items like those live, laugh, love signs from Hobby Lobby. And <laughs> actually make your home personal to you. Maybe if you have kids, your kids' artwork could become a feature. Maybe you want to do a feature collage of your kids' artwork from the last couple of months and switch it out every few months. 
I was watching um, a British news interview show yesterday or the day before, and they were talking about minimalism and what a great trend it was. And one of the interviewers um, was very into minimalism and she had decluttered her house and she was, um, everything was very stark. And they interviewed a, a designer and who designed homes and his, his homes were, you know, magazine worthy. Um, he had many homes, he'd won awards for his designs. And the minimalist was all excited about her minimalist home. And his response was, well, the homes that I have that are in magazines have never been lived in. And he said, personally, I like to see a house that's been lived in. And then the next person they had on was somebody who was completely, it was an older woman. Um, I believe she was Scottish and she was showing them her knickknacks or bric-a-brac and she literally had an entire wall full of figurines. And my initial response was, well, that's very cluttered. But she started picking up the figurines and saying, well, this one belonged to my mom. And I, my mom's been gone for 40 years. And this is where she got it. And this is the story behind it. And then she put it down and she picked up another one. And she said, this one came from my mom too, and I will never part with this one because, and it was like her whole history was on that one wall with all the knickknacks, and she definitely felt home there. And the the person who was interviewing her that was a minimalist was absolutely taken back by the passion that this older woman had for all the knickknacks in the house. And I thought that it really, it was a great contrast. And then the, they asked the designer what he thought of this cluttered wall. And he said, I absolutely love it. That is a home that is lived in and everything has meaning. And I thought, yes, that's a home. Now, the other thing was it was con it was confined to this one wall. I don't know what the rest of her house was like, but she obviously was passionate and loved it. And I think that that love is more important than whether your house could be in a magazine or whether, um, you know, if it if it evokes love to you, then it's right. Why do we think that houses can only be in magazines if they have clean counters and shiny floors and polished cupboards. I don't know. Why can't You'd... houses be in a magazine if they're being lived in? I don't know. Because technically all you need to do is take a picture and put it in a magazine and boom, it's in the magazine. But I'm bump. <laughs> Another thing that can make your home very homey for you or not home is the fragrance in your home. And we talked about that in another episode. So we're going to leave that episode in the show notes. The episode about scent prints. I love saying that. So the scent of your home is very important. And that's something you do have some control over. And so we're going to refer you to that episode about the scent print of your home. But also let's talk briefly about it here. Well, if pine scented cleaners make you think of a hospital, then you probably don't want the scent of pine in your home. But maybe you want the scent of roses or lavender or, or lemons. oranges, oranges, mm, oranges. And we, cinnamon. Just, we just came through the Christmas season and the the scent of home cooking and the scent of 
Christmas trees and the scent of chocolate, chocolate. And, and home cooking also can, you know, have that slow cooker going and um, have those beautiful fragrances of maybe a roast beef or a chicken cooking or homemade bread or cookies. You're making me hungry. I'm making me hungry too. Time to go home? <laughs> Getting close. Another way to help your house feel like a home could be music. Yes. A lot of times nowadays we're listening to music on our headphones or in other ways that is more private, not really putting the music out into the household atmosphere. So listening to music off of your computer with it actually being on speaker instead of on headphones can be a nice way to fill your house with welcoming sound. You know what I love? a trend that's happening right now is the old LPs are coming back. We went into a store. Oh, where was it? I don't even remember. And they had a whole wall of LP records. And I have not seen LPs for sale in years. And it happened to be all Christmas music. But it was amazing to see all these LPs. And uh, it made me want to go home and dig out the LPs. Yes, I still have some and and just play them. So music and even the quality of the audio recording can make you feel at home. If, if you've ever listened to an Edison, it sounds really um, hollow and tinny and um, whiny almost. And yet that is a sense of home too for some people. It always reminds me of grandpa. Yep. Now, you can also host gatherings or parties at your home. In fact, I think that's super important, especially now, to invite people in. For three years during the pandemic, we were discouraged by the government from inviting people into our home because of germs or viruses. And I think that that's something we need to reclaim to maybe start with just one other family inviting them in or have a dinner party and make it a regular thing. Maybe a poker game or a games night. Games nights are always fun. And of course, if your local games cafe decides to shut down for a couple of weeks, you could always just host whatever gaming afternoons you would have had there at your own house. Absolutely. And I think that's really important. And you mustn't think that your house has to be perfect. We've, we've already been talking about it. Most people don't even care what your house looks like. They just come for the food and the fellowship. And if they do care, they might not be your kind of people. Not your tribe, right. So in another way is, as we mentioned already, bringing plants in the house, but you can also garden outside. and Or in pots on your balcony. Having herbs or flowers or even food plants like lettuce or other things that are fast growing. That's a great way to make your house more of a home. Because for some reason, we always seem to connect home with the sense of growing things. Whether that's pets or plants. Something living. Home always seems to connect with growth and living things. Mm-hmm. And nourishment. Nourishment is important. And then connecting with family and friends and community is really important for that sense of belonging, especially if you're new in your neighborhood. Maybe you've moved recently um, or maybe you're looking for your tribe. 
Um, and some great places to do that would be local cafes or clubs. Find out what game groups meet in local areas and like game stores or game gaming cafes. As in board games, not computer games. Or local churches, local community groups like brownies, scouts, local parenting groups. And depending on what country you're in, you might have different options than what we're saying. So just look at what local groups are available in your area. Because connecting locally with real humans can make you feel more at home. So in this episode, we've been talking about how to help you feel more at home in your home. In the next episode, as we're talking about roots in this season four, we're going to be talking about location, location, location. So come by next week and listen to what we have to say about location. And as always, we'd like to leave you with a positive action. So this week, try to do one thing that fills you and or your house and home with joy. That could be to run a diffuser with your favorite essential oil, or maybe bake cookies or turn on some favorite music and dance. Just do something to help you have joy in your home and to help you grow roots where you live. Thanks, Sarah, for sharing this episode with me, and thanks, listeners, for listening. As always, if you liked what you heard in this episode, please share it with a friend and like and subscribe. Thanks for being with us today. Bye for now.